Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. I'm Jack Luke, the Deputy Editor at BikeRadar.com and today I'm joined by Simon Von Bromley, our Senior Road Technical Writer. Simon, how are you today? Yeah, very good. Thank you, Jack. I'm so happy that it's a little bit colder today because the last couple of days here in uh, England have been absolutely record-breaking and not in a good way. Well, we're going to be heating things up with some red-hot discussion about electronic group sets. What they are, how they work, who offers them, and why you may, or may not, decide to buy one for your bicycle. Now, we're going to get stuck straight in. Simon, what is an electronic group set? So, an electronic group set is essentially uh, an electronic version of uh, a mechanical drivetrain. And instead of using kind of, uh, so, uh, steel wires that work by kind of, you know, uh, tension. Tension, yeah. To, to move a derailleur whether it's across a cassette or at the front across two chain rings. An electronic group set uses wires or a wireless signal, as we'll kind of come on to later, to uh, send an electrical signal to a derailleur, which is then moved by a motor across the cassette or across the chain rings. Incidentally, the cables used in a mechanical drivetrain are called a Bowden cable. That's the engineering term for that. Didn't know that. Good little turn of phrase for you. But yes, uh, (laughs) motors or servos will move the derailleur up and down across a cassette or across chain rings, effectively mimicking the functionality of a mechanical group set, as Simon said. Now, Simon, without getting too bogged down into the opinion-led side of things, why would one choose to either develop or buy an electronic group set compared to a good old-fashioned mechanical group set? So the kind of major advantage of an electronic group set is that it's kind of not subject to uh, cable stretch and therefore should be kind of more consistent in its performance over time. Uh, Beyond that, you know, because you're not having to resort to kind of complicated uh, mechanical leverage arrangements in order to kind of get the power you need to shift between chain rings or across cassettes, you can just kind of brute force it with motors. You know, theoretically, that gives you a a sort of performance advantage. you know, front front shifting with mechanical uh, derailleurs, for example, like we've we've seen kind of, you know, Campagnolo and Shimano both kind of have long arm front derailleurs in the past in an attempt to kind of generate extra leverage so that you don't have to use kind of excessive hand force. Well, obviously that's not necessarily such a problem with electronic group sets. You can just add in a kind of more powerful motor. The button press is, you know, as kind of, you know, pretty effortless on any electronic group set for for all shifts. And it just kind of reduces that kind of effort that you need to put in. And that effort is done by electronics and a motor instead. And so, yeah, it, it, there's a kind of small performance advantage there. Obviously, removing it from removing the necessity of having a cable as well means you can have a number of shifters located across your bike. They don't all have to be tied into one cable. Um, so, you know, if you're working on a time trial bike, for example, you can have shifters on the ends of your air extensions and on the kind of the base bar as well, which can be quite useful. And obviously for kind of, um, you know, this is more of a modern problem, but if you have a bike which has a uh, complicated headset arrangement, perhaps for aerodynamic reasons, then routing mechanical cables through those can be uh, quite tricky. And, you know, mechanical uh, gear cables don't really like tight bends. And so 
you're not you're very unlikely to get kind of optimum performance. And actually, we've seen a number of frame manufacturers kind of move away from uh, compatibility with mechanical group sets as a result. Yes, and it's interesting you say that it's a, a particularly that last point is more of a modern issue. But electronic group sets themselves are not necessarily a modern thing. The very first electronic group set was introduced by Mavic. They used to make group set components back in the day, very good group set components by all measures. Uh, in 1992 with their Zap system, the system was then updated in 1999 with Mektronic. And uh, by all accounts, it was a system that worked very well mechanically. You know, it was quite um, elegant, we'll say, in that it used the sort of the motion of the chain to shift across the cassette or freewheel as it was then, as opposed to sort of brute force as you push it. But although innovative, it wasn't didn't really take off. I think it was supposed to be quite slow at shifting. But, you know, an early start. Uh, and it wasn't until around 2009 that we saw the introduction of Shimano's DI2 electronic group sets where the sort of uh, race to, to bring electronic group sets to market started. And on that, who today, Simon, if I was a prospective buyer for an electronic group set, who could I buy an electronic group set from? So you can buy a, an electronic group set from kind of, you know, obviously the big three major manufacturers. So that would be Shimano, SRAM and Campagnolo. Uh, FSA actually do make a electronic group set as well, although that's kind of not one that I've ever seen. No, in never the in the flesh, to be honest. Um, yeah. Although you went to Europe. Oh, no, sorry. You yes, you're right. I, I, I lie. I am lying. I saw one, <laughs> saw one in person just a week ago. Um, but I've never seen it on a bike no. um, out in the wild. So, you know, that kind of exists. But if you ask me where to get it from, I wouldn't really know where to tell you. Uh, are there any others? There are indeed others. I think um, this is more of a modern phenomenon, but we've seen more small we'll call them tertiary brands who are more focused on the OE market, have come uh, with electronic group sets of their own. Uh, Wheeltop is the one that's kind of interested me most. It's this $365 wireless mountain bike electronic group set. I covered it with part of our Eurobike coverage, but there are also some others out there. And I think Microshift, actually, I'm going to Google that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Microshift is also another one who uh, is producing their own electronic group set. And... Uh, there's also some strange sort of, I don't know, you call it like conversion kits. The Archer D1X was one we had from for test a long time ago. It was basically a small box you strapped onto your chainstay, which converted a mechanical rear derailleur into an electronic one. So it was like um, a, a motor or a pulley that would pull in the cable <laughs> of your derailleur. And it, it was a sort of interesting bit of tech, mm. but yes, a, a slightly more uh, kind of off-center, we'll call it, sort of yeah. uh, approach to electronic shifting. But, you know, we obviously have all the key brands represented th- represented there, but what kind of bike could I buy an electronic group set for? So you can buy an electronic group set for you know, most of the major categories of bikes, whether it's a kind of road bike or a mountain bike or a gravel bike or even commuter bikes now as well, actually. And it, it's not that you're necessarily, you know, a lot of these uh, electronic group sets as well, and, you know, SRAM's quite good at this, are kind of mix and match mm. components because they're just kind of, you know, they work on electronic signals. So, you know, technically you could fit them to any bike, you know, that is compatible with a, dera- a you know, kind of rear derailleur setup could become, you know, an electronic, have an electronic group set on it. it it's more of a case of that, you know, relatively speaking, these components are still pretty expensive. So, we're still seeing them really on kind of higher end bikes in general. But 
yeah, in terms of genre, you can you know have whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I think you know to start electronic group sets, we're very very much focused on the road. But as you've alluded to there, um, not long after the introduction of Shimano's road bike electronic group set components, we then saw the introduction of its mountain bike electronic group sets. We went through a couple generations of those. But not really much else. Shimano's gone quite quiet in recent years uh, in terms of its mountain bike drivetrains. Um, and SRAM has been a bit more of a leader in that area where its uh, Eagle, ETAP, AXS group sets have become very popular on mountain bikes. But as you mentioned, I think part of that anyway, from an industry perspective, is the ability to mix and match with the road bike components, which is something people like to do. Now, that's probably not entirely fair on Shimano. Quite recently, they just released a new suite of components uh, XT mountain bike DI2 components, but they are specifically designed to work with e-bikes and integrate with the central batteries on e-bikes. Um, but one interesting little taster on the side of that was the introduction of its Q's sort of DI2 family. Now, it's not entirely clear what Shimano's intention is with this sort of drivetrain group, but certainly from the introduction of it, it looks more focused towards commuter bikes. Um, it's not the brand's first entry into the world of electronic group sets for commuting bikes. Previously, we saw Alfine DI2, which was an electronic internal gear hub. Can you imagine such a thing, Shama- uh, Shimano? Shimano? <laughs> 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 That's what it's called. You sh- Shimon or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that group set's quite nice, isn't it? It has a nice, uh, a very nicely styled chain set as well, doesn't it? Of kind of polished aluminium. Um, but again, it's kind of one of those things, a bit like you said with um, Shimano's mountain bike components. They kind of don't seem to make too much of it. You know, we obviously... Yeah, I've just said that, you know, electronic group sets are kind of for all types of bikes, but and and Shimano does make all of these parts, but they really in terms of their kind of marketing and things like that, they do focus on DI2 as a kind of road performance group set mm. first and foremost. And yeah, they're kind of uh, their other electronic uh, products seem to be slightly more tertiary in their thinking, whereas yeah, brand a brand like uh, SRAM it's definitely keen to kind of push the electronic components on on all types of bikes and has largely kind of abandoned development for mechanical group sets it would seem you've actually jumped ahead it was going to be my question there yeah it was fantastic yeah i think <laughs> you're totally right for sram no, no noise i've heard absolutely nothing about the reintroduction if you like of mechanical group sets at kind of any level for them it really has been di not di2 axs first uh, for quite some years now and as a brand i very much get the impression that they're investing fully in electronic group sets. Shimano is a little bit different in that their new Altegra and Durace 12-speed and 105, I should say, as well, uh, electronic group sets are just that. No mechanical options to the side. Personally, I'd be quite surprised if Shimano fully abandoned mechanical group sets, um, even down to, like, the third tier. I I think mechanical is not going to be something that's left behind. What do you think, Simon? For the kind of top-tier group sets, is it going to be DI2 only? Um, I think... Perhaps from Shimano and SRAM, uh, I think Campagnolo, who we have kind of briefly mentioned, obviously they do their EPS electronic group set, but they are, I am, I'm sure they, they probably wouldn't like this description, but they're a bit more of a heritage brand. And I suspect they will keep making mechanical group sets because, you know, obviously Campagnolo EPS is an excellent group set, I've, I've no doubt. But I'm sure it doesn't sell in the same numbers as no. SRAM and Shimano uh, electronic group sets do. And I, you know, the people who I know who buy Campagnolo do so. 
for the passione. Yeah, for the, you know, because of because of the history of the brand, and you know, if you're concerned about the kind of history of the sport and the history of cycling, then you know, it, it, those people tend to lean towards mechanical group sets, you know, which is absolutely fine, of course. Um, but yeah, for as far as Shimano goes, I, I suspect you're absolutely right. I, I don't. I would be very surprised if if we were going to you know suddenly see Tiagra go electronic. Mm. Um, I imagine Tiagra, Sora, Claris, those types of group sets, which kind of serve the you know you can't buy those group sets in the shop really. Those those serve the OEM market, and um, you know they are designed to enable bikes to to kind of hit a price hit point. a price point. And it, at the moment. You know the latest generation of Di2 group sets. Yeah, it's come down to 105, but it's not a cheap group set. No, it certainly so, is not. Yeah, I, I think mechanical group sets will still serve serve their place. And on that, let's go on to some sort of cons of electronic group sets. I think that's definitely the one to start off with. As we've said, we've just seen the introduction of Shimano's 105 Di2 group set. By all accounts, it looks like a really interesting group set. We yet to have our grubby mitts on it. But no, it's not cheap. Now, comparisons between prices of even 12 months ago are sort of meaningless at this stage for various reasons, you know, not least kind of inflation. But, um, you know, you're paying the same for a 105 Di2 group set as you were for Altegra Di2 like two, three years ago. Um, Again, like, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to annoy some people. It's not a more (laughs) expensive group set. It is more expensive, but it's all kind of moved. yeah. It's moved sort of in line with other... Every, everything in the everything else in the industry has kind of moved exactly. along with it, hasn't it? So, you know, yeah, a bike which you would have got Altegra Di2 on mm-hmm. five years ago wouldn't cost the same anymore. But we're certainly not seeing the sort of the, the electronic group set of the proletariat yet, are we, Simon? No, no, we're not. Um, you know, I, I think as a sport, cycling has got generally a lot more expensive over the last 10 years, regardless of kind of, you know, the coronavirus pandemic... Brexit, you know, inflation, yeah. <laughs> all of these horrible world events that are carrying carrying on at the moment. Um, you know, if you visit, you know, if you've been visiting BikeRadar.com for over a decade, you, you could mm-hmm. go back a few years ago and, and, and find a Canyon Ultimate Spectre Dura Ace for around three and a half thousand pounds. Yeah. You know, good luck trying to find one of those today. Um, and yeah, the kind of the, the trend for electronic group sets is just, is just going. You know, the, the pricing is the, the same as everything else in the market, and um, no, it, it it's not coming. It's not coming down. And and I think for me that is the kind of major disadvantage uh, in the sense that you know electronic group sets are very nice to have, and they do have their advantages. But I think ultimately they don't make your or they don't make you as a rider kind of any faster in a sense. And so the kind of price to performance ratio if that's what you kind of care about is quite tricky to justify um and you know that that's true of a lot of mechanical group sets too of course you know dura is quite tricky to justify Altegra is quite tricky to justify you know technically you know the cheapest derailleur that's compatible with your the rest of your equipment is the kind of best in terms of price to performance but you know most most people would have kind of settled on a middle ground but but if you're mainly interested in kind of improving the performance of your bicycle, then you know an electronic group set might be nice to have, but isn't is kind of it's quite intangible what it does for you. Yeah, intangible, particularly if you're measuring it just from cost. If that yes. makes sense, you know what I mean? Like you're not you're either what's saved per pound mm. is, is going to be pretty 
nothing. Yeah, especially compared to to other things that, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of opportunity cost of buying an electronic, you know, with a set budget, the opportunity cost of buying an electronic group set over, say, you know, spending some money on some better clothing and wheels. It, it, the, the performance uh, benefits aren't especially obvious beyond, the, oh, this feels quite nice. Yeah. Looking elsewhere at performance, while it's usually massively overstated, you know, there have been some truly fabulously light mechanical group sets in the past. And while the likes of Red and Dura-Ace are fairly lightweight group sets compared to their mechanical equivalents, they've never been as light. No, exactly. And if you were to kind of, if you were to browse a, a weight weenie Instagram, you'll see a lot of, um, you know, carbon fiber, lightweight, components and drivetrain parts and you know they yeah there you won't see many electronic group sets because having things like motors and batteries you know inevitably add weight and and you can make a you know a mechanical rear derailleur and the kind of mechanical shifter and the, and the cable that you need to go in between it you, you can make those exceptionally exceptionally light if you wanted to Absolutely. And then the kind of final two sort of cons people tend to quote is around the lack of feedback when shifting uh, and also around on a similar line, the quite a little bit harder to diagnose issues compared to mechanical group set. I think of the first one, I would argue it's improved in recent years. I, I don't think there's been drastic changes by any means uh, to like the design of Shimano's shifters, for example. Um, but it's, it's not, you know, I've never personally found it to be a massive issue, but I know some riders, even some professional riders, don't really like the the lack of feedback that the electronic shifters give. Do you have any kind of thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I kind of um, I kind of agree. I think, I, you know, I haven't tried EPS, but I hear uh, the Campagnolo EPS, I hear that has a very uh, kind of defined... Distinct. Distinct, like, snick to it, which which sounds quite nice, and um, I would like to try it. I, I think... The way SRAM's E-tap or double shift works is quite nice in the sense that you know it's one just one paddle uh, per shifter, and you click you know one one up, one down, or both to shift yeah. shift the front chain ring. I quite like that because it you know it means there's there's I, I didn't really like uh, SRAM's mechanical mm. double tap personally. I, I found it quite easy to just do the wrong thing mm. if you didn't quite want it, but you never really do that with with E-tap. So I think it's really good. I think with Shimano Di2. You know, it's it's fine. I don't think I don't think the kind of feedback you get from the buttons is particularly great. Mm-hmm. I I think it it's fine when you're uh, not wearing gloves. I think if for me, if I'm wearing full finger gloves, it's still fairly easy to press the wrong button because you can't feel the kind of very limited texture through full finger gloves. Mm-hmm. Because um, you're riding, uh, you're smashing about grimy winter lanes on your uh, Dura <laughs> SDI2 bike, of course. Well, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I uh, sometimes in the early spring, you might have little uh, woolly gloves on. Fair enough. Something like that. Yeah, like it, it's a kind of it's a it's a, it's a very minor point, and and it's usually fine. I, I do, you know, I think it for those, you know, it's like, it's like if you're a fan of a kind of like mechanical keyboard, then you might find the kind of feedback from mm. an electronic group set not to your lackluster but you know in the grand scheme of things does it affect performance not not really um i think you know i think one of the kind of major cons for me from an electronic group set is this idea that you you know it's just another battery to charge as well and we often see that even the most experienced riders uh forget to charge 
their di2 batteries you know or their etap batteries or whatever you know partly because the kind of battery lives on these things is now so good in an attempt to alleviate this problem that people forget about it for so long <laughs> and then yeah. inevitably run out and of course you never have to charge a, a bike with a mechanical group set i yeah yeah i'm quite a chronically forgetful person i have gone out uh once once i've had my di2 battery run out on a test bike i had some years ago but safe to say my other bikes are all mechanical because um you know i review bikes i don't <laughs> i don't make them <laughs> Finally, coming on to diagnosing mechanical issues, it is true that electronic group sets are a little bit more complex. I do think there's been a bit of hesitation in general from the market and people are quite quick to point out that, um, you know, it could be more complex to diagnose issues. In reality, I don't think it really presents any greater conundrum than a mechanical group set. You do fundamentally set them up in almost the same way, except you're using buttons to adjust trim as opposed to uh, adjusting cable tension. You do also, of course, get diagnostic software in most of these group sets, so you might actually get some more feedback than a mechanical. But what do you think, Simon? Am I barking up the wrong tree? Um, no, I think I kind of broadly agree with you. I, I, you know, obviously, if, you, if something goes wrong with your mechanical derailleur, it's usually because of a mechanical failure. And, and, and often, you know, unless it's kind of part of the lower pulley assembly, you, you'll probably end up just going to replace the whole derailleur. Mm-hmm. So... So yes, like a kind of problem with an electronic group set might be more difficult to diagnose. But if you've had an electronics problem or a software issue, you can probably then fix that and get that derailleur back running again. Whereas, you know, something goes wrong with a mechanical derailleur. Obviously, it like, depends if you just snap a cable or something, you can just replace the cable. But but if you, yeah, if, you're, if your mechanical derailleur has a mechanical problem, mm-hmm. um, is, that, is that fixable either? I'm not sure. Like, yeah. I, I think it's kind of one of those things where, you know, I'm not advocating for bikes to be made more complicated for the sake of it. But at the same time, you know, has my experience of riding bikes equipped with DI2 been noticeably more complicated? Like, honestly, I don't think so. No. One could argue as well that particularly looking at um, the kind of latest generation of wireless and semi-wireless drivetrains, which we'll come on to in a second, particularly on SRAM's side where you are talking about a fully wireless setup, if you are building a bike from the ground up, uh, I mean, you don't really get much easier than just slapping a rear derailleur onto a bike. Absolutely, yeah. And especially if you have to do any kind of uh, internal cable routing, as we just said. You know, even if it's kind of, um, you know, fairly basic internal cable routing, I'm not talking you know, things that go through the headset, but just... Heaven forbid. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, on my time trial bike, for example, you know, if I want to... Um, you know, I have bar end, mechanical bar end shifters on the end of my extensions, and they run through the uh, through the extensions, pop out, and then go into the into the frame uh, behind the steerer tube. So there's a little, there's sort of you know semi internal, as we would say. Um, but if I want to try out a different extension angle or anything like that, you know, I have to disconnect all the cables, pull out the bar end shifters, pull out all the cables from you know front and rear derailleur. <laughs> Sounds a pain, mate. Swap the extensions, put the cables back in, re-index, re-index the gears, you know, set everything up again, and you know, probably have to replace the cables as well because if I've cut them, they're going to probably fray on the way out, and you know, and then if I decide I don't like that new extension angle that I've just tried out, I have to do the whole thing again. So your life would be a lot easier if you didn't ride time trial bikes, Simon. Well, yeah, but this, you know, <laughs> it's the same. You know, it's the kind of same problem if you have a, you know, a road bike with a an aero integrated handlebar, right? If if the cables run internally through the handlebar and you then decide you want to swap, you, you know, it's going to involve some kind of decabling, and that can be really annoying. 
Now, just finally, I'd like to talk a bit around um, the sort of differences between wireless and wired groups, electronic group sets. Now, um, up until very recently, SRAM was the only group set manufacturer that offered a fully wireless drivetrain, and it did from the very launch of its ETAP group sets. Um, what is unique about SRAM's group sets is that the batteries for both the front and rear derailleur are mounted onto the derailleurs themselves. The likes of Shimano and, and uh, FSA to this day still share a common central battery which is usually located uh, within the seat post. Um, now, I'm not entirely sure on this situation. I've heard rumoured several times that it's something to do with SRAM's patent. I believe they own the patent for mounting batteries on derailleurs. However, I need to... You know, I would need to consult a patent lawyer to <laughs> confirm that one. Uh, but Shimano, with its latest generation group set, and likewise with FSA, their group sets are semi-wireless. And that sees, uh, a, as I mentioned, a battery located in the center of the bike, and that is connected to both the front and rear derailleur with a wire. And it's the same setup for Campagnolo, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. Do is they it? not have wired shifters? Oh, no, they're fully wireless. Yeah, I think, I think Campagnolo EPS is still wired shifters. Um, and... Yeah, um, but but as you say, there's that there is that is a kind of key distinction between the likes of Shimano and uh, SRAM. Y you know, it, it may be something to do with patents. Shimano is also kind of historically very conservative with battery life as well, and having a kind of central battery that you house within a frame does kind of allow you a bit more leeway to have a big central battery mm. as opposed to you know obviously when the batteries are on the derailleurs, there, there's a kind of selection pressure towards um, smaller and lighter batteries which you know it, obviously batteries are kind of constrained by the laws of physics and a smaller battery <laughs> means less battery life and a large battery life means more battery life and so it, there is there is that kind of thing going on there where you're, you're kind of trading the kind of ease of setup for a little bit more battery life um you know i i, I whether which one i would say is the better solution i, I think i'd probably have to own a bike with both types <laughs> you know the, the battery life for a ceram etap you know it when i've been when i've been testing a bike has has never been a problem no never never uh you know unless you're doing truly monstrous rides you're incredibly unlikely to run out of a single or rather run out a battery's charge and they are also very small the ceram mm. ones it wouldn't be an unreasonable use case to suggest that somebody takes a spare with them absolutely like you know people do that with cameras don't they so precisely Yes. Uh, now, finally, we're just going to talk really about our own personal feelings. I'm sure you've got a bit of a sense of it already listening through. But Simon, presented with the opportunity now, and I'm, I'm not going to give you an unlimited budget. Let's talk about you as you are as a man today. Would you buy an electronic group set or a bike outfitted with one? Well, yeah, I think I, I haven't brought an electronic group yeah. set. So I guess that kind of uh, says it all, really, to kind of elaborate on that you know i love the idea of an electronic group set you know because obviously you know i work in a job like this i love new tech and i can completely understand why if you've got the money for it you know why not you know they, they are, it is cool it's like the performance is nice you know the ergonomics are nice you know especially um actually one of the you know kind of advantages we didn't an advantage we didn't talk about earlier but the shifter hood ergonomics are a little bit better on electronic mm. group sets just because when you don't have when you they can just make them smaller essentially hydraulic disc brake mechanical shifter hoods tend to be quite large in comparison to electronic versions and so you know that that's a kind of nice gain but as someone whose purchasing decisions are kind of 
driven by an obsessive bean counting I was going to say frugalism <laughs> yeah frugalism of kind of performance to pound spent you know I, I, yeah I haven't I haven't bought an electronic group set now that's not to say um, I wouldn't in the future and certainly you know I was very excited about the release of uh, 105 Di2 and if um, if street pricing reflects yeah. as it normally does the Shimano comes down a little bit then. exactly then, then it then it might be the case that I would be I would be tempted to upgrade because I, I you know it, it's not that I don't think it's good tech. It's just that there are kind of other things in the kind of priority list that would that would just come first. But yeah, for sure, if if I had an unlimited budget, then yeah, I would definitely have one. Of course, I think I'm really in the same camp as you here. Speaking as a man with a down tube shifter on one of his bikes, you know, <laughs> I, I can't say the tech really sets my world alight. I like the ability to repair things. Um, without plugging it in though I, I do I'm sort of contradicting myself there but I, I I think for in the field servicing I kind of appreciate the simplicity of a mechanical drivetrain but if I was the sort of person who was building up a really serious go fast road bike and I was fortunate enough to be able to afford one I, I would be very very tempted to stretch my budget to irresponsible levels and buy an electronic group set I think um, they're fun they sound good. They do work very consistently, which is, you know, also sort of feeds into the reliability side of things. I, w- I would be tempted. But like you, I will not be buying Altegra Duress. I'd be a 105, <laughs> uh, 105 or 4 person. Yeah. I think, you know, I think for me, it, may, it would make most sense on my time trial bike because obviously, yeah, like it would free me from that kind of rigmarole of, you know, like... Uh, annoying and terrible cable, cable routing, but also then free up that shifting things. Like at the moment, I can only shift from the aero extension. So if I'm kind of, you know, doing a climb and I'm on the base bar, I have to reach into the middle to shift the, the little, you know, the kind of thing on the bar end. Um, so that would be quite nice. And you, you know, it just that kind of like the ability to, to especially with something like uh, SRAM ETAP, the ability to bolt on and bolt off a front derailleur would just be a real godsend because, mm. you know, getting rid of the front derailleur for a flat course, you know, it's a small aerodynamic gain. And then, you know, when you come across a course that requires the use of a front derailleur because you want two chain rings, you just pop it back on, connect it again. And, you know, you don't have that kind of faff with with wires and, and cables and, and all of that sort of stuff. So there are there are um, use cases, and, and you know, and, and that's kind of reflected in the sense that when you turn up to a time trial, you do see a lot of people with electronic mm. group sets. So it's something that, like, you know, these group sets are aimed at the high end, and I think you know we we see a lot of them in road racing. I think if I was, you know, would I buy one for my gravel bike? Like, that would be a tougher. I don't have a gravel bike for a start, but if I had a gravel bike, would I buy an electronic group set for one? That would be a tougher call because. Obviously, the parts are more expensive to replace, and on a gravel bike, I would assume that it's going to, you know, see a bit more rough and tumble. Particularly because you're such a wild treader. Sometimes such a terrible bike handler, <laughs> <laughs> um, an inexperienced off-roady. So that that would be a, a a use case where I would be less likely to buy one. But you know, they're very popular on the mountain bike side. So maybe I just need to get good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, quite. Uh, and then just. Uh, to finish up for the third time, um, you know, what do you want to see in terms of development with electronic drivetrains? Um, I, I mean, you know, the, because I'm cheap, I, I would like to see them come down to a more accessible level in terms of price. I think 
the, the performance of uh, modern electronic derailleur-based drivetrains is is really good. And we're at a point now where, you know, if you buy 105 Di2 or SRAM rival uh, ETAP access, you know, both of which are the kind of cheapest electronic groups that's currently available, you're essentially getting the performance of the, the, the best electronic group sets in the market just at a kind of heavier weight. Um, so in terms of kind of pure performance, it, it, it's really tricky to pinpoint what more you would want. I think, you know, the only, the only things I, I guess you could you could think of are kind of just, you know, I'd like to see more of the kind of adaptability that, that SRAM offers from the other companies. You know, Campagnolo EPS is, is very much road bike only. I think they have EPS 11 speed that you can put on a time trial bike, but there's no EPS 12 speed there. You know, as you say, Shimano has kind of, seems to not be... It's not proactive in not, pushing. Yeah, yeah, on its mountain bike stuff. And so it would be good to see more of that. Uh, it would be interesting to see what... Uh, well, it would be really, really interesting to see what Shimano has planned for GRX Di2. And if they'd like to tell us, send us an email. <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to know. So I, I think it's just kind of... In terms of uh, actual upgrades, there's, there's kind of little into on, on the roadsides. But like, yeah, this I think there is kind of room to grow for both you know for kind of all of the companies yeah i think coming down to a lower price point is the really obvious answer for me too i like i can't help but agree with many of the commenters on site who kind of point out that the technology that's being used in these like it really isn't Mm. far from like remote control cars they're not expensive that is a massive oversimplification of course there's a lot of tech and development that goes into these but really the actual the tech is established now and the sort of it's increasingly hard to justify the quite extraordinary cost at times and i would love to see it come down to a level like sora why not you know what i mean yeah but then on the other hand i think is that actually what the buying public want Mm. now for many many people who are just into cycling for utility's sake and that's going to become increasingly important you know with climate goals i think many people would welcome the kind of uh, introduction of electronic group sets if they have to think about their bike less and in theory one could argue that electronic group sets will provide that and i think that's more of the 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 future for me a a professional not professional but sort of enthusiast end I, i very much agree it's hard to see how we can improve things meaningfully um, at a performance level while we stick with the traditional external drivetrain sort of arrangement. So cheaper group sets for everybody if the public actually want them and uh, cheaper group sets for tech nerds like you and I. Yeah, I, I, th- I think your point about uh, kind of going towards um, e-bikes and commuter bikes and things like that is, is a very salient one. And, you know, I I don't have an e-bike, but I would love uh, like an e-cargo bike or something. Mm-hmm. And and I think, it, you, know, you know, we should kind of embrace this modality within cycling and like the, the assistance offered by uh, electronics and, you know, electronic motors, electronic shifters, all of these types of things. Like, yeah, we don't, we don't need them. If you're kind of a fit and healthy person, we, you know, we, you and I might be able to get around the hills of Clifton without <laughs> those things. But, um, you know, in order to get my, you know, my family out of the car and to be taking, you know, to, to be picking, picking up the kids and doing the shopping, you know, all of these things are, as you, as you say, going to sort of simplify the experience. And, you know, 
people have come to expect a certain level of of simplicity and kind of automation from cars. Cars are very comfortable, very convenient. And if we can replicate that on a bicycle... Totally. Nobody complains about cars getting easier to use because of electronics. I think comparisons between cars and uh, motorbikes with bicycles is quite often a tiresome affair. But that's really when viewed through the prism of an enthusiast's you know, point of view. I think for like just folk that want to ride bikes, you know, yeah, to, to not, kind of replace yeah, not their for car. Sport, but not to for re- sport, replace yeah. their car. A- absolutely. And so I think that that's the kind of area where it would be kind of exciting because we, when, you know, when we want, if we want people to switch from driving to cycling, you know, we, we, it has to, we have to make it easy. And obviously, you know, infrastructure plays a, a obviously a huge role in yeah, that. Yeah, an outsized but, role. Yeah. But the type of bikes that are on offer to people also makes a big difference. And that has been, you know, a, a, in in the UK at least, been a, been, been a big problem in the sense that, you know, we often get people on the wrong bikes. So mm. I think if we're moving towards more kind of electronically assisted e-bikes that are focused, that really are focused on commuting and are not trying to Schlepping. kind of... <laughs> yeah, they're not trying to ape that kind of sporty aesthetic that uh, road bikes, in inverted commas, have had, you know, forever then I think that would be a really good thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard not to be enthusiastic about a world where your Alfine DI2 or equivalent gearbox or gear hub works every single time you get on your bike with absolutely no huffing and puffing. And maybe that'll feed into the way people buy and think of bikes. Like the humble local bike shop will always be a, a treasured little bit of our industry. But as we move away from... Yeah, as you say, sort of performance-minded bikes to something more akin to car ownership. Perhaps it'll sort of change how people view bike design as a whole. Wow, quite big thoughts to finish today's <laughs> podcast. My mind is my mind is flowing with the thought of a, a great big cargo bike in my soft teddy bear collection. You can park, it, you can park it on the road, as is your right. Exactly. Anyway, <laughs> thank you very much, Simon. If you are interested to learn more about electronic group sets, we do have a large buyer's guide on bikeradar.com. And if you look up electronic group sets, everything you want to know, you will find that or it'll be in this podcast description. If you have any thoughts about electronic group sets that you'd like to share with us, send those through to podcast at bikeradar.com. That's our new inbox for podcast feedback and questions. We do keep a close eye on it. We always love to hear what you have to think about the podcast. Simon, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. Speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode.